Bibles and turn to Joel. Joel chapter number two is where we're going to be uh, this evening. And uh, if you're saying, Brother Brandon, I haven't heard much from Joel. Neither have I until I was encouraged and challenged by some of our young people about that same thing. We were talking about that and uh, it kind of spurred on a study, if you will. So we've been working our way through the book of Joel uh, in, our sun, in our teen Sunday school class. And it, I think it's been wonderful. If they haven't got help, I know I have. Amen. Uh, it's been great. It has been wonderful uh, just studying through thus far. Uh, we're only a few weeks in. Uh, we just made it past chapter number one. Uh, and there's a lot. Uh, there's a lot in the Word of God as you go through and actually study line by line and, and verse by verse. There's so much that you can pull out and so much that you can apply uh, unto your life and unto our current situations and our current circumstances. And, and this is really where this here kind of stemmed from. I already had a little bit of a framework of this message, and then uh, with Pastor being underneath the weather, not being not feeling well, and just trying to get over some sickness here, uh, he had messaged me and called me. He says, "Hey, just have something on standby." I said, "Yes, sir, no problem." And it's like the Lord just—I had a few other messages that that I thought, "Yes, I can preach that. I can preach that." And if you're a preacher, you know how that is. You got some. It's like, "Oh, I preached this one at the rest home, man. It was great." And you know, I taught this one in my Sunday school class, man. And we had such a such a good time. Uh, but it's like the Lord directed this way. So this is fresh and new uh, for even our young people. They're going to kind of get a little bit of a, of, a, of a preview of what's to come in chapter number two as we make our way to Joel chapter number two. But we're in Joel chapter, chapter number two right now. So let's go ahead and stand to our feet. We're going to read two verses of scripture. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to lay just a little bit of foundation through chapter one to build up to where we are going to be currently this evening. In Joel chapter number two, Joel chapter number two, beginning in verse number 12. In verse number 12, and therefore also, uh, therefore also now saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart and with fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And our text verse this evening is going to be verse number 13. And the Bible says, and rend your heart and not your garments and turn unto the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and of great kindness and replenish him of the evil. Our text verse this, this evening here is verse number 13, and the very first part of verse number 13 is where I want to really hone in on when, when the Bible says, and rend your heart and not your garments. And rend your heart and not your garments. Let's pray, and then we'll let you be seated. I know you're tired and weary, but this gives you just one more second to stand up. Just remain standing just for a moment. We'll pray, give you just, get that blood flowing, all right? Dear Heavenly Father, God, we do thank you, Lord, once again for allowing us to be here. God, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity. God, I pray, Lord, now that you would give me, Lord, the words to say, Lord. Give me the thoughts, Lord, the illustrations that you want me to use. And God, I pray, Lord, that your word would become alive even unto me once again. Lord, help it to be fresh and new as I'm going through and presenting what you've given unto me this evening, Lord, to your church. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help the people tonight, Lord, help the congregation and those that are here and those that are watching by way of live stream, Lord, may we get everything we can out of this message and out of your word tonight and apply it unto our lives. And God, I pray, Lord, that you give us that extra dose of energy, Lord, help us to be attentive unto your word, Lord, help us to hang on to everything that is said this evening. We love you, Lord, and we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to be here in Jesus' precious name we do pray, amen and amen. You may be seated this evening. 
evening, and I want to teach a little bit, and it's really just one simple thought. I don't have uh, seven points like last time I preached or four or five points. It's not alliterated or nothing. Really, it's, it's literally just the thought that you see on the screen this evening. And so I don't think I'll be long unless I chase some rabbits and hopefully none pop out of the bushes and run. Otherwise, like Elmer Fudd, we're going to have to take them out, okay? Those wascoey wabbits. We're going to have to take them out if they come around, all right? So, uh, but Joel chapter number two, when we get to Joel chapter nine, some of you are laughing. That's what I think. All right, you're, you're here, amen? You're not only here physically, but you're here mentally, all right? Some of you are just going to catch that tomorrow. Like, wascoey wabbits, what is he talking about? Amen, our, our old cartoons are amazing. Uh, moving on. Uh, so Joel chapter number one, Joel chapter one, flip over one page. I want you to see just a few things as we kind of build and lay down a little bit of foundation, a little bit of groundwork, if you will, to get to Joel chapter number two, where we are going to pick up. But Joel chapter number one, literally the first four verses, things pick up very, very quickly. As Joel comes on the scene here, we see in verse number one, the word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Pethuel, hear this, ye old men, and give ear all you inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Literally, by the time we get to, when we get to verse number two, the question's already being asked. Have you ever seen anything like this before? It was such a, a big event that was going on, this traumatic event that was taking place right here in the southern kingdom of Judah uh, around 800 to 835 BC. And, er, er, and we see now, uh, we see an issue that is arising. We see the questions that are already coming forth. And he says, hey, hear ye this, ye old men, and give ear, all ye inhabitants of the land. Hath this been in your days or in the days of your fathers? And what he's saying is he's literally proclaiming, he goes, hey, have you ever seen anything? like this before. And then you look at verse number three, verse number three goes on. It says, tell your children of it and let your children tell their children and their children, another generation. So we see whatever this event was, Joel wants them to be made aware of what was going on, right? Number one, it was a reflection of the, the, the older generation. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Have you ever experienced anything like this before? And then he says, Hey, remember this. I want you to remember it because I want you to tell your children and it's such a big event that I want your children to tell their children and their children another generation. And then we get to verse number four. That which the palmer worm hath left, the locust eaten. And that which the locust hath left, the canker worm eaten. And that which the canker worm hath left, the, the caterpillar eaten. Verse number five, awake ye drunkards and weep and howl all ye drinkers of wine because of the new wine, for it is cut off from your mouth. A nation has come upon my land strong and without number whose teeth are as the teeth of a lion and who, and who hath the cheek teeth of a great lion. He hath laid my vine to waste and barked my fig tree. He hath made it clean, bare and cast it away. The branches thereof are made white. We see the devastation that is currently taking place in this time frame in which Joel is prophesying and he is on the scene here in the southern kingdom of Judah and he's proclaiming some things. And he says, hey, do you not see the devastation? It was, it was a wave of locusts that came through as a giant army that literally devastated everything. And if you'll begin to read through, we won't take the time to do it this evening, like I said, in our, in our teen Sunday school class, we've been in this for weeks now, just working our way through chapter number one. But as you read through chapter number one, it just keeps getting worse. Every time you turn around, there's something else that compounds onto the devastation. There's more worsening effects. And, and what happens here is the land is being judged by God. God is judging the southern kingdom of Judah due to all the ungodliness of kings that were ruling in times before. And then Joel comes on the scene and the devastation is 
is taking place and, and the, literally the trees are being barked. Did, did you hear that? Did you see that? It says the trees are being barked because the insects, the locusts and the caterpillar, they're literally debarking the trees, making them white. Literally laying waste to everything, the crops, the fields. And you'll go on and read in chapter number one how even the animals are beginning to cry out because they're perplexed and they're confused because there's nothing for them to eat. Literally, the land is being laid waste. And and Joel comes on the scene. He says, hey, we need to wake up. You need to wake up. Have you ever seen anything like this before? Have you ever experienced anything like this before? Remember this day. Because this is a very important thing. And then he goes on in chapter number one, as you were halfway through there, you'll see him call for repentance. He calls for them to call together this thing of repentance. And we're going to talk about that this evening. And this is what the Lord directed me and how he directed me of literally just simple thought of true repentance. And we've heard of repentance. If you've been in church at any time, you've heard of this thing of repentance. And sometimes uh, we use that word so jokingly, I think that we, that we really just kind of play it down. It's like, so, well, you better repent about that, you know. We'll joke with somebody, you know, if, if, if Evan was here and, you know, and he had his Apple or he had his Android phone and I got my Apple phone. But the, wait, there's one other person here who really loves um, Android phones. And I'm not sure why, but, and we'll joke around with Abel, amen. Uh, I won't call names tonight, but uh, we'll joke around with Abel and I'll say, brother, I said, why don't you get you an Apple phone, amen, repent, amen, get right with the Lord. We'll joke around like that sometimes, right? Uh, and we'll, we'll joke around and say, hey, you need to repent about that. You know, hey, you get right with the Lord one day, right? Amen. And we'll joke around, but this thing of repentance is no joke. This is, this is serious business. It's not something that we should be taking so lightheartedly and joking around with one another because this is a serious thing. It's a serious business. It's a serious act between someone and God. This thing of true repentance, and we're going to dive into this here in just a moment. And so we see halfway through chapter number one, Joel calls for this thing of repentance, and he goes through and lists out how they need to, how they need to move forward in this idea of repentance. He would say, you would call a solemn assembly together. All those that would get together, you would call them together. And then beyond that, you would have, you would fast, you would fast and pray, and you would get the elders involved. And I love that fact, and I hit on that a little bit in our youth, but I love the fact that they get the elders involved. Why? Because it starts with the older generation. Because if the older generation is not willing to repent, if the older generation is not willing to humble themselves and get rid of this thing of pride and bow down to a holy God and ask for forgiveness, how do we expect this young generation to? How do we expect this young generation to follow in our footsteps if we're not willing to lead by example? Right? We love a boss that would lead by example. Right? If you're on the, if you're in the workplace and, and you have that boss that says, Hey, you need to do this and you need to do this. But then you have that boss, uh, somebody else will say, Man, my boss is awesome. He'll say, Hey, we got to do this, but he'll jump in there with me. He'll, Hey, we got to get this done. We got a job. We got to get it done. The sleeves rolled up and they jump right in. And you love that. Why? Because those who are superior over you are willing to jump in with you and lead by example. The greatest leaders will lead by example, not just by their mouth. Do as I say, do as I say. It's not a dictatorship. It's literally, it's, it's someone who, uh, who is a good boss will not just dictate things out and sit back and play games on their phone while the work's being done, but look forward to the praise and the accolades that come to them for all the work that's being done. No, 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 no. That's not a good boss at all. A good boss will say, I'm jumping in here with you. And Joel, as he's going through here and he's calling out these elders, he says, hey, you need to come too. 
You need to get involved in this thing. Why? Because it's important that the younger generation, those children that we're going to tell to remember this devastation, remember the judgment, remember the things that are going on here. Hey, they need to see you getting involved. Likewise, in the churches, we want the youth to get involved. We want these kids to get involved. We want the young adults to get involved. But too many times, us as adults, we don't get involved. Now, I'm speaking to our core, amen? (laughs) I'm speaking to the Wednesday night crowd. You're faithful, you're here, and many of you are involved. I can look across the room, and many of you are super involved in different ministries, and some of you more than one, and some of you are stretched so thin and, and trying to get involved in everything, right? And you're doing great by leading by example, but we're talking about this thing of repentance, it's different from just working for the Lord and striving to do a lot. It's a thing of repentance, and we all need to examine ourselves every single day because we mess up every single day. Amen. It's all, it's all right to say amen right there. I'll be the first one to say it. Joel, as he goes through and he invites those elders, and, and they're going to they're gonna fast, they're going to pray, and they're going to ask God to forgive the land and, and forgive them for what all the, the ungodliness that's been going on and bring healing back to the land. And the only way that you're going to see that healing is through this thing of repentance. This idea of repentance. And then when we get to Joel chapter number two, as I began to read down through here, and it's like the Lord spoke to my heart as you get to verse number 12 and verse number 13. Let's read those two verses one more time, and then we'll we'll dive right into this message this evening. And therefore also saith the Lord, turn ye even to me with all your heart. Notice the first thing, turn with your heart, right? With fasting and with weeping and with mourning. And rend your heart and not your garments and turn to the Lord your God, for he is gracious. I love, I love how Joel adds all this. He says, not only turn to him, but remember why we turn to him, for he is gracious and he is merciful and he is slow to anger and of great kindness and repenteth him of the evil. We see in verse number 12 and 13 how Joel is now telling the people a very specific way of this thing of repentance. Now, he says, repent. He, say, he, say, he says in verse number 13, rend your heart. Now, begin to think about that. Why rend your heart? Now, if you, if you, if you read your Old Testament, you'll, and even some of the New Testament, we'll pull out some things here in a moment, you, you see this word rend, right? We see this, you see this word rend, and I, and I believe I got this definition up here, to rend, to, to split, to tear to pieces, to rip, to burst, to separate abruptly or with violence, right? To rend, okay? And we get that. And, and here's the thing. To rend your heart in repentance is to acknowledge God of your brokenness and your need for God's forgiveness and restoration. So when, here's the thing. When Joel comes forth and he says, he says hang on, fellas. He goes, we, you need to rend your heart and not your garments only. In the Old Testament, we would see it time and time again as sin would come on the scene and they would rend their clothes and basically they would rip their clothes. Now, we're not going to do that today, amen. My wife would kill me if I ripped my shirt and buttons flew off and took somebody's eye out. We're not going to do that tonight, amen. But they would rip apart their clothes, right? They would rend their garments. And why was the renting of the garments so important? Because it was an outward show to those that were around that they're serious. That is, hey, we're, I'm outwardly going to show this. It would be like us coming to an altar and crying out our eyes unto God. 
It would be like us, just some kind of outwardly exposure, if you would, showing people of our remorse for our sin. And when they would rend their garments, that's what that was. There was the renting of their garments, whether it be because of sin and their sorrow or because of joy or because they want God to just move in a great way. They would call out to God. They would rent their garments, right? So we see this thing of rent, rending their garments, but it's not about renting their garments, that Joel is worried about here. Because in verse number 13, he says, and rend your heart and not your garments. You see, it goes deeper than the outward renting of your clothes. It goes deeper than just this outward crying out because you got caught in your sin. Hang on with me, we're going somewhere. It's different from this thing of, oh, I'm sorry because you got caught. No, 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 it's deeper than that. It's not the renting of the clothes, it's the renting of the heart. And it gets down to the root of the matter because we know that the heart is the root. The heart, the heart is where man believes unto righteousness, right? The heart is where man believes unto salvation. It's not with the mind, it's not with the outward experience, it's not with dressing up and going to church that gets someone saved. No, no, it's that heart, it's that changing of the heart. So when Joel comes on the scene here and verse, in chapter number two and verse number 13, he says, rend your heart and not your garments and turn to the Lord. He's not talking about an outward show, but he's talking about something that's internal that needs to be done. So we see this, and, and King David received, when King David received the devastating but exaggerated news of Absalom, had, that Absalom had struck down all of David's remaining sons, he rose and tore his clothes once again out of grief and, and out, of, out of sorrow and laid down on the ground in 2 Samuel chapter number 13, verses 30 and 31. And it came to pass while they were on the way, the tidings came to David and saying, Absalom had slain all the king's sons and, and there is not one of them left. In verse 31, here we see the rinsing of the clothes and then, then the king arose and tear his garments and lay on the earth and all his servants stood by with their clothes rent. We see the renting of the clothes, the outward show, if you would. And the Old Testament would record many others who would go forth in this act of renting out their clothes. And Reuben and Jacob and Joshua and Caleb and Jophath and, and Tamar and, and Ahab and Hezekiah and others renting their garments in gestures of mourning or in repentance. That we see this outward show, if you would, and even in the New Testament, when we jump to the New Testament, it's not as prevalent, but it is there. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 65 in the New Testament, the high priest tore his garments while accusing Jesus of blasphemy. It was that outward show of anger, that outward show of zeal, if you would, in this moment. Then the high priest rent his clothes and he said, he, he hath spoken blasphemy. What further need we of witnesses? Behold, now ye have heard his blasphemy. He rent his clothes even then. And then Paul and Barnabas also tore their clothes here when they realized the people of Lystria were preparing to honor them as deities in Acts chapter number 14 and verses 14 and 15, they come on the scene, which, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran among them of the people crying out. This was them crying out, trying to get their attention. And how else do you get somebody's attention by renting your clothes? Because it was an outward show. It was like, whoa, they mean business. They mean business. Seriousness. There's something serious going on. And, and there's 
something going on that we need to pay attention to. As they rent their clothes and they came unto them crying out, in verse 15, and saying, Sirs, why do you do these things? We are also of men of like passions with you and preach unto you that which that you should turn from these vain vanities and unto the living God, which made heaven and earth and sea and all things therein. More than rent clothing, God wants you to rend your heart to him. It's not just the renting of clothes. It's not that outward show of, oh, I'm sorry, and you do something outwardly. You, you have this physical thing that you can do to show that you're sorry. No, no, see, that only helps those that are around you, but God wants to see your heart rent for him. When we mess up, when we make mistakes, when we sin, when we say things we shouldn't, when we do things we shouldn't, when we go places we shouldn't, when we look at things we shouldn't, and the Holy Spirit convicts us of those things, it's that automatic thing that we need to get it right with God right then and there. And how do we get it right? It's not by the renting of the clothes. It's, this, it's not by an outward show of nothing. No, it's by renting of our heart. It's by us understanding our brokenness and our separation from God right then and there. That we're not, listen, you're not gonna lose your salvation, but you lost that fellowship and you lost that joy all of a sudden. There's something standing between you and God and that sweet fellowship and that thing is sin. And how do we restore that which was broken? Easy by true repentance. You will never fully be restored until there's true repentance that comes forth. That's it. The only way for us to be restored is by true repentance. And we see this time and time again, and, and more than rent clothing, God wants to, our, our hearts to be rent and to rend your heart in and, and repentance is to acknowledge your brokenness and need for God's forgiveness and restoration. And I'm thankful tonight that God's in the restoring business. Oh, we live in such a generation that says if it's broke, throw it out. Oh, my friends, no, 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 not because we're poor, not because we're broke, but I don't throw anything out that's broke. Can I get a witness on that? Amen. There's always a use for something that's broke. Amen, fellas. There's a cord, there's a, there's a part, there's some screws that we can throw in a drawer and we'll never pull out for 15 years. And the moment our wife's cleaning them out, we're looking for that one screw that she threw out and we get irritated on why, anyhow, I'm chasing rabbits again. But get this, here it is. You see, God's in the rest restoration business, and he always has been. He's always been in that restoring that which was broken and making it complete and whole. All the way from the beginning in Genesis, he was in the restoration business. You see, when Adam and Eve were in the garden and they were doing well and obeying God, God was pleased. But the moment sin came on the scene, what happened? They became broken. Sin came in. They were now broken. And here's the thing. And God knew that there's something that had to be done. Something had to take place from that point forward to restore that which was broken. That sweet fellowship, that communion that God had with Adam and Eve in the garden had to be restored from that moment forward. And he would restore that through his son, Jesus Christ. And Jesus would come for that restoration for all of mankind all the way through the times. Listen, all the way down through the years. God already had a plan for restoration for you and I because we are born broken. We are born in sin. Listen, nobody in here is perfect, right? All right man, I don't know if there was one perfect. I was just asking. I didn't know. Amen. Right, Listen, we're all imperfect people and we're all broken. Now, now, hang with me just for a second. We're all broken in different ways. 
you don't know how I'm broken. I don't know how Brother Timmy's broken. I don't know how Brother Rodney has been broken. I don't know how any of you have been broken or have been fractured by this world and by the circumstances and by the troubles and by the problems and by the issues of life. I don't know how you've been broken. But I'm glad God's in the restoration business and he doesn't throw you out because listen, he can take something that is imperfect and use it for his perfect will. We can be made complete only in the Lord Jesus Christ and he will take something that which is broken and be able to use it to glorify himself and to be able to help other broken people to understand that there is one who will restore, one who can restore and make them whole and make them complete once again. You see, God is in that restoration business. He wants to restore you. He wants the best for you. He wants to complete you and he wants to make you whole again. And listen, we live in that society that says if it's broken, throw it out. If it's broken, it's just trash. If it's broken, we look down upon it. Or maybe, maybe we get something new. How many of you got something new and it broke like within a week and you're like, man, I can't believe this. I paid this much money for this and it broke. And not only this, you're telling everybody else about it, right? Man, hey, don't buy this. Don't get this, right? Amen. Amen. You don't get this. It broke with me in a week. Anything from the dollar store will break. Amen. It is cheap and it will last for a short time, but it won't last forever. But if we're not careful, I thought about this. As broken people as we are, and as broken people walk through those doors, you see, sometimes if we're not careful, we do the same thing to broken people that we do with broken things. We look down. We look at them and go, man. God can't use them. <laughs> wow. Do you, you understand their past? <laughs> Have you heard? Have you heard? Their brokenness, have you heard? They're fractured, have you heard? They are broken, have you heard? That they are unmendable, have you heard? That they are unrepairable? Listen, I serve a God that repairs and restores and mends that thing that is broken. And he takes it, puts it back on the potter's wheel and makes it into something beautiful, something that this world can't even fathom. Listen, but if we're not careful, even in the church, people come in, they've been let down by society, they've been let down by the church and and they've been let down by family. And as they come in broken, and, and, and fractured by all these things. Understand, yes, they are broken, but we need to be there to encourage them, to help them understand that there's a way for them to be restored once again, to be made whole once again. And literally, it's through this thing of true repentance. Listen, if there's anything in our lives, listen, a lot of times we bring a lot of our own problems on ourselves. If we were truth to the matter, a lot of our issues arise because of us. Amen. We try to figure things out on our own instead of uh, listening to God, instead of obeying what the Spirit's telling us to do. We kick open doors that should remain closed and we pick the locks that are locked and we move through places when God says, don't go there. I have something else prepared for you. And the moment when we began to do those things, here's what happens. That's called sin. We're being disobedient, just like Adam and Eve in the garden. We're disobeying the voice of God. And if God's telling us to go, we should go. If God says, don't go, we should stop. And here's the thing. When the issues arise in our lives. A lot of times it's on ourselves. And if we're not careful, we'll forget to repent of the sins. We'll forget to repent of those things in which we've got involved in that thing, which we said, which we shouldn't have said that place that we went, that we shouldn't have went. We'll forget about this thing of repentance and go back to God and say, God, forgive me. I've messed up. Here's my life. Take it. Make me whole. Once again, I need you to restore me. There are too many Christians walking around with no joy with no smiles because they haven't been restored once again. 
You'll never be fully restored until you come to this thing of true repentance. And this true thing of true repentance is literally an everyday process. Sometimes it's an every hour process. If you work a public job, sometimes it's every 10 minute process. Lord, forgive me for my thoughts. <laughs> Amen. I know I want to throat punch that little kid. Amen. Or, or karate chop that stock worker or whoever. You know what I mean? You had a bad day at work and you take it out on everybody else on the way home. And God says, you know you shouldn't say that. Oh, you know you shouldn't have did that. And we don't repent of those things. Literally, this is like a daily checkup for us. It should be at the end of each day. And this is a checkup for me. I'm just preaching to you what God told me I needed to do. It's a daily reflection that I need to stop, reflect on my life and say, God, did I do everything I should have done? Did I do something that I shouldn't have done? Did I say something I shouldn't have said? Should I have said something that I didn't say? And then I ask God to forgive. Because it starts with the heart, not with an outward renting of the clothes, but it's with the renting of the heart. You see, and as we rent our hearts, we discover that the Lord is close to those that are broken hearted. As in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such of be of a contrite spirit. And we are stayed from, we, 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 when we strayed away from God, the sacrifice that he desires is a broken spirit for he will not reject us. He will bring us back in. And in, in, in Psalms 51, verse 17, the sacrifices of God are of a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. God, thou wilt not despise. He will never turn us away if we truly come to him in this thing of sorrow, in this thing of repentance, in this thing of turning away from that which caused the problems, that which caused the issues, that sin, whether it be small or big in our lives, sin is sin. And when we need to get that right, we need to get it right as soon as possible before the judgment comes, because that's where Judah was. Judah was underneath the judgment hand of God. And Joel says, listen, it's time for you to stop just renting your clothes and get serious about this thing and rent your hearts. Let's make it real. Now, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the issues, and I don't know of anything that's going on in your life. All I know is what's going on in my life. But this is the message the Lord had me bring forth for this evening. Maybe for some of you, this is just knowledge that we can log away and say, when I mess up, Lord, help me to rend my heart. Help me to rend my heart. Maybe tonight there's something we need to get right with God. We need to go to God and ask God to forgive us. Because here's the thing, when we, when we began to rend our heart, we paved the way for healing, for wholeness, and a restored relationship with God when we rend our hearts before him. Psalm 147 and verse number three, he healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. In Isaiah 61, verse number one, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord hath anointed me to preach good tidings unto the meek. He hath sent me to bind up the what the brokenhearted and to proclaim liberty unto the captives and opening the prisons to them that are bound. Then in Joel's day right here, he is literally, he, he is literally uh, putting the nation on call. He's yelling, awake, look around you. It's time for us to get serious about this thing of repentance. If you want God to restore our land, if you want God to restore us once again, we need to get serious about this thing of repentance. The people performed rituals of tearing their clothing without experiencing a true heart-crushing remorse for their sin, which would lead to a change in behavior and genuine devotion to God. That's the issue that was going forth. It was the renting of the clothes, but there was no seriousness behind it. The heart was not behind it. 
it was just the clothes. It was an outward show. And being in the ministry as long as we've had, we've seen this time and time and time and time again. Those young people that we get to serve with and encourage and pray for and invest in, and then they mess up. They fall out in sin. They make one bad decision. And then you see them come forward and they'll come to an altar and they'll, they'll cry their eyes out. And, and it looks, it looks like, yes, oh, they're getting it right with God. Yes, they're getting it right. But the very next week, they're back involved in the same thing. We know some adults like that too. It's that vicious cycle of, come on, when are you going to wake up? When are you going to realize? When are you going to get off this hamster wheel? When are you going to realize that true repentance is the only way that you're going to be able to turn away from all these things and be able to set free, get yourself set free from those chains and bondage of sin? And we cry out to God and on their behalf and say, God, awake them, help them to realize the need there of true repentance. Because what they're doing is that outward wrenching of the clothes. It's that, oh, I'm going to go to church and I'm going to get right on an altar and I'm, I'm I'm going to cry out and there'll be lots of people that'll see me there. And here's the thing. It's just an outward show, but nothing truly changes because it didn't start here. It has to start in the heart. It has to, it's always been a heart issue. It's always been a heart issue from the very beginning. And it's a continual process. We have to rent our hearts before the Lord. It's a vicious cycle for young people and young adults that get caught in, and even adults, and especially through addictions and these strongholds. And, and here's the issue is they come forward and they may confess to one another or go to a group of people and say, I want to get off this and I want to be done with this. And you think, yes, we're making breakthrough and you're ministering unto them. And let me tell you one of the hardest things as a youth pastor, the hardest things to someone as you invest in their life and as you pray for them daily and you watch them and you think, oh yes, we're making a breakthrough. Oh yes, God, you're doing a work finally. Oh yes, God, you got a hold of them. And then the next week they're back in it again. You're like, no, no, I thought we were making forward progress. And all of a sudden now you, you've thrown, thrown back a hundred steps and no, and now you're back in the same situation over again because it was just a renting of the, 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 the clothes. It was that outward show to get a little sympathy. It was that outward show to get a, a little bit of, uh, of temporal love. And then you're right back in to where your heart truly is. Involved in that issue, involved in that sin, involved in that addiction. I've seen this happen firsthand and it's a vicious cycle. But until that true renting of the heart and that true repentance ha has to come forth, there's, gonna be ne there's never going to be a true change. They're never going to be complete. They're never going to be made whole until that happens. Only a complete render, renting, rending of the heart would turn the nation back to receive God's compassionate and gracious and merciful and, and steadfast love to the Lord. And likewise, you and I will never experience God's mercy and grace fully in our lives until we daily do this thing of repentance and make sure that our lives are clean and make sure we have everything confessed and get everything underneath the blood of Jesus. Jesus Christ. Why? Because that's why he died for you. He died for every one of our sins. And why do we not just wait until it's becoming overwhelming or consumes us and chains us down? Do we call out to God when immediately when the issues arise and sin comes on the scene and we look at that thing that we, that we shouldn't be looking at or we say that thing we shouldn't say and we don't want to get that right and we want to, we want to it's okay. Well, they deserved it and, and it's all right. It's, no, it's not all right. Between the almighty God, he loves you and he wants to keep that communion and keep that joy in your heart. And too many Christians are bound by this thing of sin that they have not even confessed. There's no joy. There's no happiness. Why? 
because there's never no true repentance. And it's the renting of the heart. Jeremiah would change it up just a little bit in Jeremiah 4.4. Instead of saying, rend your heart, the prophet Jeremiah applied the cutting analogy of circumcision to to call God's people to repentance. In Jeremiah 4.4, he says, circumcise yourselves to the Lord and take away the foreskins of your hearts, ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like a fire and burn that none can quench it because of the evil things you are doing. And and here's the thing, the idiom here... uh, the, the grouping of words here, if you would, rend your heart expresses internal spiritual brokenness, which is vastly more important than any empty hypocritical act of ripping apart one's clothing. Rituals of repentance mean nothing if the heart is unchanged. But I believe this is where we are a lot in today's time. It's that outward show, but there's no change. It's that outward show, but there's no change. Why? Because it never came from the heart to begin with. I think about this. We're almost done. I got to close. It's already 827. I think about the story of the prodigal son. I love that story. We've done a study on that one. We, we teach a lot and we preached a lot through that with our young adult or with our young people, our youth in, in, in the teen class. And I love that story because when you read that story, you see a young man who, who got his inheritance early. You know the story he had. He goes off and he, he lives riotously and he spends it all and he wastes all and he spends everything. But the, the, thing that, the thing that I love the most is how he comes back home. Even in the far country, Even in the far country, he's rehearsing what he's going to say when he comes back home. But the rehearsing starts with God. He says, I've sinned against heaven and against thee. He's ready and preparing this to present it to his father, but he doesn't go to his father first. The repentance first started with heaven. He says, God, I messed up. God, I took all my inheritance and I spent it. God, I messed up. I have no one that loves me here. God, I have no man that will help me here in this far country. But his repentance starts upward and then it starts outward. And the only true way that we're going to have that true repentance is for it to start upward before it goes outward. Listen now, if we sin against somebody else, against a brother or sister, even within the church, we should get that right with God and then go to them. The, the, the last thing we need to do is try to go to the brother and sister in Christ and ask for forgiveness when we haven't asked for forgiveness first. It's the true repentance because it has to start with the heart. It's not an outward show. If I wrong brother Timmy and I says, Timmy, I'm sorry, man. Uh, my bad, bro. You think I meant that? Absolutely not. But if I'll go to God and say, God, forgive me for what I did to Brother Timmy. God, forgive me. I I, I shouldn't have made that statement. I shouldn't have said that. He may not have took it that way, but God, you convicted me about that. And I shouldn't have said it like that. And then I'll go to him and say, hey, man, I I didn't mean that statement like that. I hope you didn't take it like that. I'm sorry. But see, repentance starts that way before it starts this way. It has to, it has to. It's the renting of the heart before you move forward and be able to, to, be able to, to, to repent and, and, and express your gratitude and your sorrowfulness to others. If the heart is unchanged, it's all hypocrite. It's all just for show, if you would. We're almost done, here we go. And the external performances are not enough. And for this reason, Jesus even taught this in the Beatitudes. In Matthew 5 and verse number three, blessed are the poor in spirit, the brokenness of the spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Being poor in spirit means recognizing one's brokenness 
in a broken spiritual state, we rend our hearts when we admit that we are utterly bankrupt and destitute before God without his forgiveness and cleansings and restoration, we are fully undone. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who are of a broken spirit and are broken down and realizing their brokenness, but yet for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Why? Because you've realized your brokenness and you're willing to go to God and ask him for forgiveness. Here's the thing, rending your hearts to God in repentance means wholehearted surrender to God. It means you're willing to go to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I messed up. I said that, I should have done that. I went there, I shouldn't have went there. Whatever the case may be, but it's that soul, so it's that wholehearted surrender to God. And what does that look like in Lamentations chapter number two and a few verses here and we're done. Lamentations chapter number two and verse number 19. Arise, cry out in the night, in the beginning of the watches, pour out thine heart like water before the face of the Lord. Lift up thy hands toward him for the life of thy young children they, that faint for hunger on the top of every street. Listen, it's that crying out, it's that moving forward, it's that crying out in the middle of the night and asking God, to pour, and you're pouring out your heart like water to God. You're asking him to do something in your life. And Psalm 51 and verse number 10, David would say this, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. And Isaiah says this, woe is me for I am undone. And Isaiah 6, 5, and then said, I, woe is me for I am undone for I, I am a man of unclean lips and I dwell in the midst of people of unclean lips for mine eyes have seen the King and the Lord of hosts. And listen, when we rend our hearts to God, God, when we rend our hearts before the Lord, God promises to do some things. He promises us that he will forgive and cleanse and restore. He promises those things. And that's what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to remain broken. He wants us to be restored, to be made whole, to be ready to be used. The only way a vessel is ready to be used is a vessel that's set aside for the Lord that is sanctified, that is set apart, meat for the master's use, right? In order for us to be meat for the master's use, we gotta be clean. We gotta be clean, we gotta be ready. God will never use a dirty dish. <laughs> you will never use a dirty dish, will you? Some of you are like, well, I mean, I'm just, some of the youth are like, what, dirty dish, what are you talking about? Listen, you don't go to the cabinet or cupboard and pull out a glass and look. You, you always look at it, right? You make sure it's that clean. All right, we're good. What's clean? You always look inside of what's in the cup, right? What's on the plate? When you go to a restaurant, somebody puts down a plate in front of you that's dirty. You're not going to sit there and go, all right, bring my food on. You're going to go, uh, <clears throat> uh, did, you, did you not see this? <laughs> this? All this is still on here. I know you had to see that tomato sauce has been on there for like a week probably. Look how crusty that is. That's all I'm saying. Look, look at the plate. You just set it down. It's a white plate that is red sauce. You know it's on there. It shouldn't be on there. Right, you're gonna call it out, right? Well, as the Holy Spirit calls us out of some, some red tomato sauce in our lives, whew, as God would call that out to us and the Holy Spirit would reveal that to us, we should just run to God and say, mm, you're right, let me get this cleaned up. Let me get this right because I want God to use me. I want God to use me. I want God to do something in my life. And the only way that God will do something in our life is if we're ready to be used, we're clean, and we're ready. I'm not saying we're perfect. Listen, nobody in here is perfect. I know I'm not perfect. Amen. I look at myself in the mirror every morning. I'm like, yep, I ain't perfect still. Amen. We're moving forward. <laughs> God, help me today. <laughs> help the people I run into not to pass out. Amen. Not, not to run in fear. <laughs> but here's the thing. 
Here's the thing. For God to use us, we got to be ready. And even when the smallest sin in our lives, we're not ready to be used. It's a hindrance for God to use us. So if anything, this will be like a daily checkup for us, just to go back and examine our day and make sure, God, did I do everything? Did I say everything? Did I not do that which you didn't want me to do? And if there's anything that he reveals, and the Holy Spirit's great about doing that, if you ask, he will reveal. And some things that you thought, wait, wait a minute, I didn't know that was that bad. I, I, didn't, think, I, didn't, think, I, I didn't think that statement was bad. The Holy Spirit's like, yeah, but this is the way they probably took that statement. And you probably hurt them. You probably hindered their spirit. And you probably caused an emotional issue there, a brokenness. You caused a fracture in their life. You know, everybody's going through a hard time. Our pastor says it all the time. You never know what somebody's going through because we're great about putting on, putting on that facade that, oh, everything's great, <laughs> wonderful, I'm excited. And behind the scenes, you're broken. And you got issues upon issues, family issues, financial issues, job issues, coworker issues, kids. I mean, you fill in the blank. But God's there for us. And God wants to make sure that we are whole and complete. And this is the way to it. This is the way to having that smile back and having that joy and having that happiness that God wants us to have. This thing of true repentance is the renting of the heart, not of the garments. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you, Lord, so much for your precious word. Lord, I thank you, Lord, for just a simple thought, really. Not an illust I didn't have a lot of fancy illustrations or no alliteration, no points, but God, just a simple thought of this thing of true repentance and Lord, how important it is. And God, if we're not careful, we'll, 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 we'll go through life and we'll, we'll, we'll sin and make small mistakes in our eyes. But God, those are going to cause you a hindrance. You're not going to be able to use us. You're not going to be able to work through us like you want to until we get that stuff right, until we get everything confessed and get it right. And God, I pray, Lord, that, that, that literally I'm preaching to the choir tonight. I'm preaching to our core church, Lord, our faithful members. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us, Lord, not to have anything. God, not to have anything between us and you. God, nothing. Whether it be inside of the church or outside of the church, Lord, I, I pray that if we got something, if we have an issue or, or, or we said something or we made a mistake and Lord, we've sinned, God, that we would get that right even now. That we wouldn't wait, that we wouldn't hold off until judgment came because that's where Judah was. Judah was under the judgment hand. And then Joel says, look around you at the devastation. Look at the destruction. We need to repent. We need to rent our hearts to God, not just our clothes. It's time for us to get serious. God, why, why, why do we wait sometimes until our world is literally falling apart before we run to you? Why do we let our sins build up to the point to where our sin bank is overflowing into our joy bank and into our happiness bank and all of a sudden now we don't have joy and we don't have happiness and we don't have that song in which we used to have and we're not walking around with a smile on anymore because we've let those sin slowly creep into everything and overtake that and rob and steal us of our joy, rob and steal us of all that whenever the Holy Spirit, you've already came and, and told us we need to get that right. How long will we hold on to those things and, and just store them up? God, I pray, Lord, that you would help us as a church. Lord, help us as individuals. 
Lord, to examine ourselves every single day and say, God, did I do everything? Did I say everything? And if there's something that he reveals unto us, Lord, help us to, get, to have the courage to get it right, to ask for forgiveness and then go to the other person in that situation and ask for forgiveness. God, I want you to use me. God, I want to be set apart for you. God, I want you to use me like never before. But in order for you to want to use us, Lord, we got to be clean. We got to be that vessel that's clean, that's ready to be used. Meet for the master's use. God, this may be preventive maintenance for many in here. Lord, I didn't expect uh, to have a, a, a shout and amen fit. God, you know my heart tonight was literally just to teach on this thing of true repentance. And maybe we'll just store this in our minds and we'll think about this tomorrow. And we'll think about this thing of repentance and how true it is and how, uh, how real it truly is in our lives that we need to daily go to you and ask for forgiveness. God, I know no doubt in the room this size, there are many people with burdens, there are many people with heartaches and struggles. God, I pray even now, Lord, that you would help them through their issues, through life's troubles, through family issues, through financial issues. God, we know that you're a God of restoration. You, you want to restore us. And God, if there's anything in our lives, anything in our hearts that's gonna hinder you from that restoration business, Lord, I pray that you'd help us get it right even now. Work in our hearts, Lord. Let's all stand with our heads bowed and our eyes closed for just a moment, just a moment. We won't prolong the invitation. I know the hour is a little bit late. We're done, but just a moment. This is business time. If God spoke to your heart, make that move. If God's speaking to you, maybe you need to get something right or maybe you just need to thank him for what he's already done in your life. Thank him for the time where he's restored you in times past. My, I can think of many times when God has picked me up and dusted me off and restored me. When I messed up, I failed him. But with a true heart of repentance, I come unto him and he says, let me clean you up. <laughs> Let me wipe you down. Let me get the muck off. Let me get the dirt off. Let me clean you up. That way I can use you again. You see, God wants to use every single one of you in this room. He said, no, 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 not me, Brother Brandon, not me. Oh, yes, you, especially you. The one who is casting doubt on themselves. Oh, God wants to use you tonight. And if you'll make sure that you're clean and ready, he will. He will use you. Be ready for the call. Be ready for the call and answer that call when it comes. Just another moment or so with our heads bowed and our eyes closed. If you need to do business, make that move. If there's one here and you're unsure of your salvation, if you're not sure that you're 100% saved, I pray that you'd come tonight and get that right that you'd come down to an old-fashioned altar and we'll have somebody meet you at the altar and they'll take a Bible and show you how that you can know that you can know that you can know. And there's no greater feeling of knowing that you're on your way to heaven. If you're watching by way of live stream, there's a number on the bottom of your screen that you can call. And there are people standing by the phones. They'd love to take that call, be able to pray with you, be able to talk to you, be able to minister with you. 
You can look up this way. Let's sing a chorus this evening, Amazing Grace, Amazing Grace. I want you to sing it out tonight. Sing it with everything that you got. We're gonna sing it through one time and then we're gonna be dismissed, all right? I know the hour's late and many of you are tired. So I want you to sing it with everything you got on that, on that first verse, amen. Sing it out. Here we go. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved. Think about it, a wrench in our brokenness. Oh, yes. I once was lost, but now I am found. Was blind, but now I see.